0: What a wonderful joy for me to come back to sundown. It was the second Sunday of November, the year 1954, that I came from Decatur Baptist Junior College, where I was a student and advised the church that a little church just outside of Decatur had asked me to be their pastor and I asked the church here if it would ordain me to be a pastor on that Sunday, the second Sunday of November in 1954, this church ordained me to be a pastor. And the following Sunday, I became pastor of this church. I was 18 years old. Today, I'm completing 60 years officially As an ordained pastor. My wife and I spent 34 years as missionaries in Brazil. Before we went to Brazil we went to California for seminary and I pastored a couple of churches in California and when I was at Wayland before I went to California I pastored a church by over at Dickens, Texas while I was a student at Wayland. God All those years, the 10 years that I served as a pastor before I went to Brazil as a missionary, all of those 10 years, God performed things in my life to prepare me to do the things that I would do in Brazil. And the truth of the matter is that when I was a little boy growing up on a farm, Four miles from sundown, my daddy taught me to do things that we had no idea. It had something about my future involved, but God was using my daddy when I was a little boy to teach me things that would train me and prepare me to do the things that I did in Brazil. God is so wonderful. When I came back, retired from Brazil, I served nine years as the senior adult minister of the First Baptist Church in Borger, Texas. I was doing it part-time, and after I'd been doing it for six years, a little tiny church was about to close its doors, and so the Buena Vista Baptist Church I pastored for eight years. And it grew and grew, praise God, hallelujah, and fulfilled those things that God wanted done in the church. Now, the end of December 2012, I was not physically able any longer to do the work that a pastor does during the week. I can still preach, praise God, but I will became physically unable to pastor a church. I resigned the church, and one of the deacons in the church was ordained and became the pastor. He was 65 years old, but he became the pastor of the church and is doing a wonderful job there. Now, Vlandet and I are going to Brazil in January. We're going to spend five months there. I hope to preach in about 20 churches. When I went there, there were six churches in the city where I lived. And now there are 50 Baptist churches in that city. And many of them I helped start. And then we're going from Brazil. Our, our associational director in, up in the Panhandle used to be a missionary in Tanzania. He is, wants to go back at the end of June and have a missionary project of teaching the pastors, the, the, the African pastors and their wives, he asked me and Vlandetje to go from Brazil over there and help them in Africa do mission work there. So not only are we going to do mission work in Brazil, but we're going to be doing mission work in Africa. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is the God that we love and serve. And it all began... When I was a member of the First Baptist Church in Sundown, Texas, some of the adults and some of the young people in this church helped me prepare for what God wanted to do in my life. And I know that the church is still doing that. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I know some of the mission work that the church is doing. And I rejoice and I praise the Lord for that. Now, I preached a sermon about all of the things I did in Brazil the last time I was here in August of last year. So, God laid on my heart that I preached a sermon this morning about the fact that Jesus is coming back. So, the title of the sermon, When Christ Comes Again. And there are three passages of Scripture. The first one is in Matthew Chapter 24, verse 44, reading from the King New King James Version, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Word of God says Jesus is coming, but He's coming at an hour we don't expect, that we want to be sure that we are ready and that we're preparing. Now look in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. So once again, the scripture says, Jesus is coming again. Now let's look in the book of Acts, the first chapter. Acts, the first chapter, (coughs) verses of Scripture that probably many, many of you could quote. You already know these verses very well, but it has a message for the sermon this morning. Acts 1, beginning with verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So not only this verse says he's coming back, but it says sort of how he's coming back. He's coming back, will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, I want to tell you something. The New Testament mentions something about the second coming of Christ 318 times. 318 times the New Testament has a comment about the second coming of Christ. And first of all, I understand what I'm going to say to you. There are people who preach about this, who preach it differently. They don't agree with some of the details that I am going to share. But there are the things that I believe. But there is no real problem whether it's the one way or the other. But reading the Word of God, reading all about these 318 ways that Jesus is coming back, And reading about them and studying them, then come to the conclusion of what I think about it. First there will be a rapture, and then the second coming. So there are two events going to take place. One is the rapture, and the other is the second coming. I believe that seven years of tribulation talked about in the Bible will take place between the rapture and the second coming. So, I believe that Jesus is going to appear, and all of those Christians who have died are going to come up and they're going to receive a new body. And all of the Christians who are alive are going to also be transformed. We're going to be together in the air and then we're with Jesus, and then we're going to heaven. We will spend seven years there while the great tribulation is taking place on earth, and then. Jesus is going to come back to earth, and he's going to reign for a thousand years. And you and I will come back with him, and he will have a job for us to do. Praise God, hallelujah. I don't know exactly what that job is going to be for me, but whatever it is, it will be God's will, and it will be doable. So let me give you a word of introduction. President Kennedy was a member of the Catholic Church, but for some reason or other, according to the story, apparently he did not understand or not know anything about the second coming of Christ. He heard about the second coming from Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham taught president after president after president uh, many, many things, When Billy Graham would go to the president's office and visit with him and and share something about the Bible, what he would teach him was about the second coming of Christ. Here is what I believe about his coming. There are seven things I believe, and I'll point them out quickly to you. One of them I believe the Bible teaches about the second coming, 318 times it talked about it. Number two, I believe in the bodily return of Christ. Just as His body went up into heaven, His body will come back down. Number three, I believe in His imminent return. The Scripture teaches us to be cautious of that and think about it. And I really believe, I believe things are happening in the world today that indicate beyond any doubt that we're living in the last days. I cannot say Jesus is going to come this afternoon at 3 o'clock. That would be unscriptural. That would be wrong. But to believe that the circumstances of the world indicate that we're in the last days and His return is imminent, that is scriptural. We can certainly believe that. Number four... I believe that He will come first in the air and take up into heaven all the believers, both those who are dead and those who are alive. Number five, I believe He will come later to the earth with all of His saints and that He will reign upon the earth for a thousand years. So Jesus is going to come back to the earth, going to reign for a thousand years, As I understand the Scripture, we will come back with him, and of course we will be involved in that. Satan, the Scripture tells us, will be cast out of the world for that thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, he'll come back, and Jesus then will send him into destruction for eternity. But during that thousand years, he will not be available. He will have been separated. The sixth thing I believe, I believe that His coming is the only thing that can strengthen out this old, perplexed, and sinful world. The only way things are going to get straightened out is the coming of Jesus Christ. And the seventh thing I believe, all of these beliefs are based upon the Word of God. (laughs) They're not really... What I think is what the Bible has taught me and causes me to think. So there's six points that I want to make in the sermon this morning. The first point is we are to preach His coming. In Titus chapter 2 it says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then, two verses later, it says, Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So, we are to preach His coming. We must preach and teach all of the great doctrines of our faith. We must believe and teach in the virgin birth in the sinless life of Christ, in the vicarious death of Christ, in the victorious resurrection of our Lord. Sometimes people get confused and they they don't do that, but we need to be reminding ourselves from the Word of God what the Word of God teaches us about these things. Jesus said, "...no man knows the day nor the hour, neither the angels nor the Son of Man." So Jesus did not know when He was on earth. He did not know when He will return. The Bible says the angels in heaven do not know when He will return. And then He said only the Father knows. So only the Father. Now I can imagine Jesus is present with the Father. He may well know now. But when He was on earth, He did not know. But we are to preach His imminent coming without setting a date. We are to do what I am doing this morning. We are to preach to the public that Jesus is coming. And the details that the Scripture gives us about His coming, we are to do that because the Scripture teaches us to do so. So we're not only to preach the coming of Christ, number two, we are to look for His coming. We are to be busy about his work, yet always expecting his return. We are to be busy for Christ, yet we are to keep our eyes toward his return. You see, I'm going to go to Brazil and do mission work, and then I'm going to go to Africa and do mission work. If Jesus doesn't come back before then. <laughs> and I may be in Brazil when Jesus comes back. And I may be in Africa when Jesus comes back. And He may come back before I go. And I may get home before He comes back. But we are to be busy for Christ. Yet we are to, be, to keep our eyes toward His return. There's a story about a bishop, Steed, a preacher of another day. First thing every morning... He would go to the window, raise the shade, look out and say, Perhaps today, Lord, I will be busy, but I will be ready. At night he would pray, I will be asleep, but I will be ready for your return. I tell you, that is a good position for all of us. That during the day, all day long, we already could happen. We're busy. We've got things to do. We're doing this and, this and this and this and this. And we're serving the Lord. But the Lord may come before we finish that. And it might even He might even come in the middle of the night. We are to look for His coming. The third point of the message is we are to pray for His coming. In the model prayer, we find these words. Thy kingdom Come. What does it mean? It means this. Come back, Lord Jesus. Come back and establish your kingdom. We can't strengthen things out. We need you to do it. Do you know what is in the last prayer in the Bible? The next to the last verse in Revelation, the last chapter, the next to the last verse is a prayer. In Revelation, Jesus told John he was coming back, and the old preacher cried out in the next to the final verse in the Bible, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. How a wonderful way for the Bible to finish. Wouldn't it be great if we got as excited about the return of Christ as sometimes we get excited about our football team? Sometimes we shout things about our football team or our baseball team or whatever other thing may be taking place and so on. And sometimes we don't even remember to shout, Jesus is coming. If we did, we would pray, come, Lord Jesus, come back. Come back and take over. Come and strengthen out this world. Come and take us up to be with you. Come and reign as King of kings And Lord of Lords. The fourth point of the message this morning, we are to love his appearing. So we are to preach his coming. We are to look for his coming. We are to pray for his coming. Now we are to love his appearing. When Paul came toward the end of the earthly journey, he said, I'm going home to get a crown of righteousness. This is the verse. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So he said, I'm going home to get a crown of righteousness. And he says, you can have one too. You can have a crown of righteousness If you look forward to His coming. Some people do not love His appearing. They do not want Christ to come back. He would break up their little playhouse. Think again. If Christ came and took you to heaven, it would be a million times better than all these things on earth could ever be. When He comes, we will enter into heaven, the perfect place. We will be united with Christ. We will be reunited with loved ones who've already gone to be with Him. You know that when He comes again, when He comes for the rapture, He's going to take those who've passed away their bodies and give them a new body but they have already been present with the Lord. When a Christian dies, we think he died, but he is grateful to be present with the Lord. The moment that he passes away, the moment that he dies, he, in reality, went to be present with the Lord. That is the teaching of the Scripture. And we will be united with Christ. We will be reunited with loved ones. When I get there, I'll see my dad. When I get there, I'll see my mom. (laughs) When I get there, I'll see friends. So many of them and so on. All that is bad will be over. No bad anymore. The fifth point of the message this morning. We ought to be... We ought to be comforted by his coming. In first Thessalonians it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Let you sorrow as others who have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. We're going to be with our loved ones in the presence of Jesus. As Christians, to believe and look forward to His coming is one of the greatest comforts of our lives. And the final point of the message is we are to be purified by His coming. In 1 John, there's a verse of Scripture that's really, really interesting. Is 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, and it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. The Scripture says, one of those 318 verses that I talked to you about in the beginning, one of them says that we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see Him as He is. Wow, I think about how I'm different from Jesus. How Jesus lived perfectly. How Jesus never sinned. How Jesus died in order that I could be forgiven of my sins. And that everyone could be forgiven of their sins. And the Scripture says, When He shall appear... We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Wow. We do not like for a preacher to point out our sins. Yet I know you would thank me forever if I could get you to cast the world aside and get ready for the second coming of Christ. We want to be excited about the rapture. And we want to be excited about the second coming. In conclusion, three little items. Number one, be sure that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, do it right now. Do it this very moment. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and to save your soul. And the Word of God says that He died on the cross that you might be saved. Be sure that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, be sure that your lifestyle is in keeping with the Word of God. As a Christian, be sure that you live the way that the Bible teaches us. To live. And the third point, be excited about God's plans for the future. <laughs> God has plans for the future. That future is that the rapture is going to take place, and it may take place before the day is over or before the week is gone, but it doesn't matter because it will be the time the Lord chooses. So we want to be sure that we're living, respecting that time coming, and being faithful to the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, I thank You for how the church has treated me, how the church has helped me, how the church has led me to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and to commit my life as God has spoken to me. But Father, I pray your will be done this morning in the mind and the heart and the life of everyone that's present. I pray in Jesus' name.